Welcome to Teatro del Absurdo. That's Spanish for Theater of the Absurd. A program from Jaguar Bridge Productions. Well, hello, I'm Willow Marvavilla. I'm your hoster toaster, here to unravel and twirl things that shall not be said. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is uh, intermediate, intermedium series between the chats, which ended last week with Patty, and the reading of my books, which will begin in a few weeks. This is an article I wrote for a submission to a lesser-known, small, um, localized magazine, RFD. Um, So I don't know what politicking may be going on there, but it didn't get accepted. Life goes on. So it's a story. They they were seeking um, stories about gay bars in light of everything that's going on and the gentrification and the trans abuse and the drag queen abuse and oh all this <clears throat> nonsense in the world that seems to continue when people use religion as a weapon okay so this article i'll just read it for fun have some fun with it um it's called rude and elegant the gay church bar Imaginations, the saint, the probe, the woods, the river club, the underground, the pyramid, the munster, the I-beam, Copacabana, La Goya, Rage, Boat Slip, Ice Palace 57, Rounds, their names are like great vestiges of the past, wonders of queer their story. Ah, yes. Ah, giant sigh. <clears throat> the gay cathedrals. There was nothing equal to them. Like it or not, the gay bar was an integral part of the matrix for social networking for decades, underground or overground. From the antique Molly bars to the vaudevillian cabarets, queers have always loved to bedazzle themselves. These were often places where revolutions began with famous names like Stonewall, which still lingers on many smoking, brick-throwing tongues. Bars were also notorious places to discover avant-garde and cutting-edge mainstream artists. Furthermore, during the AIDS crisis, they became sanctuaries to bring our collective grief together, and turn it into much-needed cash donations generated from all-night dance marathons. In any case, the bars, good, bad, or ugly, were a way to connect. So are they still important? In towns outside the megapolis, the bar was the only place that created a safe haven. Take Norma Jean's, for instance. It was a bar stuck in a farming outback, in the artichoke capital of the world, Castroville, California. There, Latinx or Latine drag queens soared and cooed in colorful chicken feathers and sequins 
Why are their migrant parents picked strawberries for pennies? For faggot tree, the fervor before the weekend, before a show, a night out, the queers would preen themselves for hours before donning their gay apparel and strutting their stuff. The clubs offered a possibility to let go of the constant monotony and horrific antagonism from the heteronormative world. Inside the smelly, dark, cavernous bar was a place to touch freedom. Yes, of course, there was drama within, yet it was ours, not theirs. Exotic, out-of-place clubs sprung up even in the Midwest, such as Ohio's Rudely Elegant, which wooed such acclaimed artists such as Divine to the mundane world of shopping malls. <laughs> Fringe Hollywood personalities would show up and even for them let their hair down and shamelessly shuck corn on stage or something else. <laughs> These places were about dance with a capital D. We couldn't or we wouldn't stop. Consequently, there came to be the after hours clubs open till dawn, hardcore for sure, and their names said it. Crisco Disco or the end up. Tea anyone? Perhaps the term dance church came to be with the onset of the various infamous sweaty bop till you drop tea dances queers bless their hearts were conscientious to the constraints of nine to fivers and roaring dances were held only on sunday afternoons so everyone could get home in time to rest for the work week and hail mary was it a ball at various resort locales of Key West, Fire Island, and Provincetown, the Sunday affairs were uninhibited, shirts off, pants off, sweated out baby kind of moments, and even crazily romantic, if just for a whispery moment. Yeah, no need to be a club kid. The gay bar was open to anyone, even if the popular dress was leather or lace. 
Many were located in scary dark alleys, like meatpacking districts, aka <clears throat> the mineshaft, <clears throat> excuse me, only to have these throbbing member zones gentrified into bougie banal hoods. We had bars in all corners of the earth. In some places, it was often very risky, if not tantalizing to discover a gay bar in the Casbah. Once there was in a club in Lisbon called Bricka Bar, I don't know if it's still there, where you had to wait until door person opened a thin slitted window where someone peeped at you, not in a sexually way, to see if you were one of us, that if you looked gay. Hmm. Before you were let into some of our clubs, you were scrutinized in hopes that you weren't going to harass or harm anyone inside the place. Ashe. Moving the party to other parts of the globe had inherent entitled <clears throat> Empire Queer Euro-American centric desires attached to our hopes to dance anywhere at any time. Here we go. Unfortunately, sometimes this carried out troubled psychology to places that had no clinics, no healing modalities, nothing to help others to recover. Hence, sinister detrimental yearnings often expose desperate queers to adversity and addictions. With privilege comes responsibility. One of these tainted behaviors was the meth crystal party drug, which created a grotesque consequence and brought disastrous demands upon colonized gays, those who were willing to do anything for a dollar. Consequently, the wider discussion of the gay bar as exploitation and imposition is on the table to investigate, especially when we look at places like the Vallartas and the Cancuns, albeit everyone deserves, if they want it, a fun dance hall. Certainly, capitalistic gay is a way to share the wildness, the spectacle, and freedom, yet very little consideration is given to the slumlords who house the erotic, exotic dancers where five or six youths live in a room hidden behind our disco curtains. While we uplift the stories of sex workers, in many places, things are so desperate, abandoned by their parents, often street children, queers are forced to sell their bodies to generate food or to get money for an attorney or coyote, as they say, broker, to help them escape to the U.S., while we dance away without a care and GOPers build more walls. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it, cannabis style, please. Can we consider when we travel how our queerness could be used to create compassion, generosity, healing everywhere in the world? I'm really realizing queers are not all woke. Anyway, and I'm not using that in a politicized GOP stupid way. Anyway, on another note, the bars were also extremely competitive. Often they had to be bigger, bolder, or even terribly exclusive. Anything that seduced or lured a, in a crowd. I remember one time in Paris, Gay Paris, the clubs were so jealous of another's crowd, someone would set off a smoke bomb in one club to get everyone to go to another gay club down the street. And this was a common practice. My, my. 
Many queer clubs were hidden, cloaked, yet once the doors parted, you stepped into a gay circus, a menagerie, with innumerable amazements ready to astound you, or at least get you to blush. For example, in Rio de Janeiro, boys danced in bird-like cages, dressed like Tarzan, swinging from chains above the dance floor. And they liked it. <laughs> Grace Jones, Madonna, too many to mention, their careers skyrocketed from exposure at our clubs. If one of them could summon loyal dancing fags as their fans, they could claim exponential adoration to their producers. And my dears, you could meet anyone at a gay bar, whether Liza Minnelli's personal designer or strike a conversation at a place like Boy Bar with Bridget Fonda, dance next to Mick Jagger, then onward to meet Yoko Ono's personal psychic at Freddie Mercury's bar, The Works, and then culminating the night walking out the door just as David Bowie sauntered in. Shwoo wee, does Grinder Scruff Tinder provide that? I shudder to think. And by the way, all of that didn't happen in one night, but it did happen to me. <clears throat> anyway, honestly, beyond the glitz, the pubs, the neighborhoodish watering holes, the bars could actually be intriguing places to meet someone new outside your familiar posse and to experience each other in the flesh, eye-to-eye -eye contact. Something is way more alluring with body language in a bar than a stark photo of an erect penis or a droll asshole. Bars invited one to educate themselves in poise, secret codes, winks, nods, something to hold on to for the night, whether you got laid or not. Like a bird, Queers would summon one another with their plumage. An actual conversation could take place whether you wanted to fuck or not with a bandana signaling which position out of your pocket. Many times one would get together with someone quite unsuspect and in the end start a longtime friendship or even become mysterious, unpredictable lovers. It wasn't all glitz and leather. There were also the fabulous enchanting piano bars, whether it was LA's Punch, New York City's Brandies, or Don't Tell Mamas, where crooning show tunes and other lyrical whimsies opened the throat chakra in startling ways beyond blowjobs, my dear, please, bitch please. And then on a snowy or moody, rainy evening, the piano bar had a Dietrich smoky haze sort of atmosphere. Meeting Broadway chorus line boys and girls was in the palm of your hand, but you better sing and sing loud. Normalized Babylon had nothing on what gay bars and clubs were cap capable of creating. It really was devil may care. Even if you weren't a type, there was always someone to chat with for a bit or boogie it out on the dance floor. 
and maybe later on lick him under the bar stool. <clears throat> but then the gay bar, of course, had its shitty conundrum of perpetuating racism, ageism, classism, genderism. You name it, we're good at that shit too. Just like the heteronormative world. And we still do it on the apps. That's what's so sad. Uh, so you can't be cool and get into that. However, sometimes there was discourse that investigated the segregation within bars and motivated some to generate more inclusivity. Even with these foibles, at least a modicum of queers getting together provided a possibility to diffuse nastiness and hopefully learn ways to avoid projecting social societal misery under our focused public experiments, a.k.a. the bars. Oh, and here we go. This is timely with the news now. Then came along the drag queens. They were always ready to shake things up with sardonic humor. Oh, the humanity, the talent. RuPaul, step aside. Oh, and that's right. Some of us actually saw you in your jaunty messiness at the Pyramid Club. Along with incredible mastery of lip syncing, there was beguiling, mesmerizing costume and mask with the shock, oh dear, of performance art. At the old tea shack held at San Francisco's infamous stud, which is also closed, um, during its genesis, everyone was in drag. I tell this to people all the time. It was much less spectator sport and more participatory, a giant orgy of wigs and eyelashes and lipstick on boys. But then the Madison Avenue Glam magazines discovered our underworld again, and it became a loathsome place for gawkers and chasers, and not the fun ones, mind you. Expressing yourself was the theme. On the dance floor, everyone was beautiful. Everybody's beautiful on the dance floor, right? Okay, um, whether you were on Molly or not, the lights, the smells, amyl nitrate mixed with Givenchy's, mixed with sex, mixed with urine, oh my God, who knows, were intoxicating and at the same time nauseating. Yet, there was an appeal that queers had while presenting themselves to each other, and especially to their friends. It was a way for anyone to get their hidden kink on. Very cool straight boys and many hipster women loved to go to queer clubs with their boys and girls and others. Yes, because y'all could get dolled up and shake your booty without getting nearly raped at the bar. Without a doubt, absolutely, you could have a horrid night at a club, even move to tears. But even in that, someone else was having a rough night too. So again, there was potential for camaraderie. This is a lesson for all the grinder, scruff, tinder boxers and others. For goddess divine sakes, don't lose the art of conversation. I'm going to repeat that three times. Don't lose the conversation of art. <laughs> Don't lose the art of conversation. 
Yeah, you get my point. The conversation of art was really cute too, dyslexia. Hmm. Meeting strangers in person at fantastical watering holes was and is still part of the magic and art of being human. Yes, there were the back rooms, and not a lot of conversation was going on underneath the red light glow about Carl Jung or the latest MoMA art exhibit, unless it was a live-action Maplethorpe, Yowza. Yet for some, especially remote areas like the Amazon, these hidden Dionysian zones were often the only place to get off with someone else. Clubs started late and often went on into the wee hours, where you would walk out into the morning dawn with the sun glaring in your face, shunning it like a vampire. In the Amazonian city of Belém, <clears throat> as I was ready to leave an empty disco, suddenly a whisper of boys started entering around midnight, ka-ching, ling, ding, and by 2 a.m. the place was packed, roaring. Perhaps they had snuck out while their parents slept. Hence, the term disco nap was often used. <clears throat> For worshippers of the infamous, are you ready? The saint in New York City. Most didn't wake up until midnight from their siesta in order to arrive in the club, preened around 2 a.m. looking fresh and hot. Our clubs were so popular and lusciously beautiful or thematically rich, it spurred spurred, say that carefully, heterodominant places to include gay night in their repertoire of events. Being a totally straight club was habitually non-compliant, certainly if you wanted to stay in business. <clears throat> because most of the color in the notorious dance halls were the fags. Can you say Studio 54, Limelight, Area, Shined Up, Ready for the Parade, The Glitz, The Glam, The Boys? And now the gay club, gay bar, is nearly a thing of the past in my opine. <clears throat> and yes, like it or not, this is a gloomy predicament. <clears throat> Where do fags and their friends meet? How can an 18-year-old have a conversation, non-sex-driven or sex-driven, who cares, with a 70-year-old man? Surprisingly, Bars were also where you could learn the awkward art of wooing. As in, send a girl a drink for fuck's sakes, then we'll talk. Puff, puff. <laughs> Who are young queers' mentors? How do you converse with someone outside of the social app norms with their hypocritical checked preference boxes? No face, no photo, no chat. Seriously, yawn. I open the damn page and all I see is torsos and animes. Good Lord. And you know what? Not all of us have a portfolio of photos that show us in our finery. And at that unphotoshopped, hmm, can we say that? Or filtered? Long ago, a dick pic was staring at someone's bulge across the dimly lit rooms. Even if you didn't drink or were dancing in the lesbian clubs, just as fun, the bars were how we saw each other, every possible facet of the queer diamond. On Friday, the question was often, 
and I mean very often, do you want to go dancing tonight? Do queers say that anymore or even go out just to dance? While some may loathe the idea of queer bars, and I get that, they offered a weird, distorted, yet genuine sense or nonsense of belonging. Now only ghostly memories exist. The Castro's gone. Fort Lauderdale's strip has sunk. Rue de Temple in Paris has disappeared. Christopher Street is finished. All over the world, the gay bar phenomenon, the wonder, has vaporized into a gentrified, nonsensical barrage of restaurants and box stores. It's as if there is a lack of imagination for developers of queer entertainment. Why not open a yummy mixology elixir bistro? They tried that with San Francisco's Millennium, but perhaps it was too exclusive. Yet the idea was there to generate new and inspiring places to gather, to even feel proud and exhibit the fabulosity of queer creativity. Just us. While being insular was not necessarily a healthy vibe, bars were shielded, protected, and certainly most of us never thought we'd get shot at, at least not with bullets. Murdered? Seriously, a bad, terrible, queer Shakespeare play has gone wrong, very wrong. And now drag queens are illegal in some states and trans. Oh, <laughs> Reverse magic, reverse logic, but it's all right. We'll come out stronger on the other side. It may be time to consider how these places were important to develop the somewhat freedoms that queers enjoy today. So when you hear Trocadero, Marlin Beach Hotel, and this place, get this, they had a lower level bar that you had to walk downstairs and it had a window looking directly into the pool of the motel, hotel, yeah, eat that avatar. And oh, what went on in that swimming hole? Why not mosey up to one of your elders and ask for a tale about a night at disco heaven? It really wasn't just to get shit-faced. I believe it was to explore each other in person and applaud and be excited and mesmerized by being gay and the amazing, 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 talented geniuses we are. And now, more than ever, with the roaring warnings in this experimental democracy we live in, we are invited to find places to organize, dazzle, protect, and discuss how queerness can change the world into a better place. Vegan sequence, glitter, and all. Aho, ashe, aloha, ala, amen. Till we meet again.